This is Carpe Consensus. Join hosts Ben Schiller and Danny Nelson as they seize the world of crypto. Hello and welcome to Carpe Consensus. This is a podcast from the Coindesk Podcast Network and my name is Ben Schiller. I am the features editor here at Coindesk. Welcome to the show. So uh, it's an important week for Coindesk. We're ramping up our coverage of the SBF trial at Sam Bankman-Fried, starting with the jury selection process. So we're going to have an interview that we conducted earlier with Nick Day. He's the head of regulation at Coindesk and the person who's uh, leading our trial coverage. We'll also have some clips from the courthouse uh, from our very own Danny Nelson, a co-host of this show, and he's going to give us some color and some insight from the ground there. So uh, let's get to it. Okay, so let's go inside the desk now, and uh, we're joined by our esteemed colleague, Nick Day. He is the regulatory guru here at Coindesk. Uh, hi, Nick. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. The biggest story of the year is really the uh, SBF Sam Bankman-Fried trial, which is coming up this October, and we wanted to talk to you about the uh, prospects for that and uh, what we're going to be looking for coming out of that, and also looking at how we're going to cover it as an organization here at Coindesk. So um, what are you looking forward to most about the trial and what are the big uh, unanswered questions for you in terms of our coverage? Yeah. So, you know, obviously we've been building toward this for the last 10 months. Uh, he was arrested last December near the end. I, I think the big question now is who is going to try him? The actual defense that he's proposing seems to be advice of counsel. So the argument is not so much that he didn't do the things he is accused of doing, it's that he believed he was innocent because he did things that his lawyers told him to do. Now, he might also argue that, you know, some of the conduct that the DOJ alleged he didn't do or that he didn't do with a malicious intent. But at the end of the day, at the end of this trial, which is expected to take about six weeks, the question is, will the 10 or 12 jurors who have heard the testimony think, okay, we believe beyond a reasonable doubt that Sam Bankman-Fried is guilty of one or more of the seven charges arrayed against him. So the question isn't really that he did or didn't do uh, the things that the prosecutors are saying he did, but it's whether he did them fully under his own autonomy or whether he was advised to do them and simply went along with the orders. So uh, I think it's known as the blame the lawyers strategy. I mean, personally speaking, Nick, how successful, how viable do you think that strategy is in terms of a legal defense? So I'm not a lawyer, but my sense is it might be a bit of a stretch. But on the other hand, Bankman-Fried does face a lot of, you know, kind of an uphill climb with some of the issues that he's being accused of, right? There's really not, you know, no one disputing that, for example, you know, the FTX crew, which includes Bankman-Fried and now, you know, Ryan Slom and other executives or former executives donated funds, for example, to lawmakers from both parties. That got folded into uh, you know, wire fraud charges. It's hard to dispute that FTX had this kind of you know, weird financial situation wherein uh, subsidiary companies or sister companies like Alameda Research had an unusual amount of access to funds that belonged to FTX customers. You know, a lot of these things have been admitted to by you know, Bank of Freed or other executives at FTX over the past several months. And so what they might be doing here is just trying to convince a juror okay, yes, it looks bad, but you know, Bankman-Fried didn't mean to break the law. He was doing what he thought was proper and what was best to keep his company going or to serve his clients and customers and you know, whatever better the industry 
better for the effective altruism movement, which he's part of, things like that. So, Nick, we've got a pretty stacked lineup for our coverage. What can readers of Coindesk.com and listeners of this podcast expect in how we're approaching this trial and maybe why we're going to be doing it better than everyone else? I've been thinking of this as something we want to be comprehensive about. You know, a lot of trials you see, you know, really dramatic headlines and people saying, oh, well, you know, it ended early this day, so whatever, you know, maybe it's bad news for someone. Uh, my goal is to make sure that our audience is as well informed as possible, not just about the case itself, but also just about the goings on in the courthouse and everything like that. So we're going to have multiple reporters at the courthouse each and every single day of the trial. Danny, you're going to be you know, right there with me. Uh, we have regulatory reporter Elizabeth Napolitano, tech reporter Sam Kessler, and platforms and markets reporter Helene Ron will be there through jury selection and Vardir. We'll be there through the opening statements and arguments. We'll be there through witness testimony, right up until the foreperson of the jury comes back and says, here's what we believe. So we'll have articles you know, covering what's happening in the courthouse. We'll have previews giving context for what you can expect. If there's going to be a witness testifying on a certain day, we will do our best to tell you who that witness is, why they matter, what their importance is uh, before that day, you know, before the testimony begins. And we'll tell you what they said after it ends. And so, you know, in this way, I think we'll be able to really present a clear and comprehensive picture for people who are not able to travel to New York and sit in the courthouse or who, you know, maybe to have better things to do for six weeks of their lives. We will be sure to tell you everything that's going on. Yes. And to give our listeners a look really inside the desk for what we're, how we're approaching the preparation for this trial, not everyone can get a press pass, like a top-level press pass for these proceedings. SDNOI has a whole lot of rules around it. I won't be able to have my laptop in the, pre- in the room with me. I won't be able to have any technology. I certainly won't be allowed to record. What I will be doing, I kid you not, is having a legal pad, writing notes on the legal pad, and then every so often, Nick will send me out and I will call it in. I will call an editor at coindesk.com. I will read out my notes. They will type it up and they will publish it. This is like 1950s stuff. We are just thinking out every angle about how to approach this and also being faced with really exciting and almost from a journalistic standpoint, romantic obstacles we have to overcome. Yeah, we're, you know, as you said, the general public is not allowed to bring any kind of electronic device in. When you go through the courtroom, when you're going in, you have to go through like a security process. They will tell you to put your phone and laptop and cameras in the cloakroom. They've taken my watch before. It's a smartwatch. I'm not even allowed to bring that in with me. So yeah, we'll be taking notes. We'll be running out back and forth, calling it in. And it is true that certain reporters are able to keep their phones on them. There's a whole process to do that. You basically have to live at the courthouse. Uh, we are you know, obviously not a court or legal publication. We're focused on the digital asset industry at large. And so you know, we're going to do our best to be as comprehensive and timely as possible. Well, Nick, I have to say, being a crypto publication these days, it almost seems like we have to be a court and legal publication because everything is burning and the lawyers are to blame. It's... Yeah, there was a point last year where I want to say May 2022, no one at Coindesk was really super familiar with bankruptcy process. Ask us now how familiar we are with the bankruptcy process. One might say we're too familiar with it. 
what are we all most excited for in these proceedings? Is it a certain story, a certain aspect of the case? Nick, I'll start with you. What are you most looking forward to? What unanswered questions do you have that might be addressed in this proceeding? I think some of the witness testimony is really going to illustrate the extent to which Bankman-Fried and really the whole FTX crew may or may not have been aware about, forget the legality of what they're accused of, but to the extent that they were aware that, yes, this was you know kind of a house of cards. It sure looks like FTX was running on fumes for quite a while before it collapsed. To what extent were the witnesses and the, you know, the witnesses now include several former FTX executives, to what extent were they aware of just how far things had fallen? I don't think it will happen. And I think his lawyers will make sure it doesn't. But I, Sam definitely wants to take the stand to explain himself one last time. He did it so many times before he was arrested going on CNBC and all these different shows, interviews saying why he thought he wasn't bad before he got arrested and the feds say he was. So if he gets an opportunity to say all those things in a courthouse, that will be crazy. And I really want to see that happen. It may. We'll find out soon enough if he's going to testify. But it's going to be, as you say, exciting. Interesting for sure. So, uh, Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show and giving that little uh, preview of the trial. We're all uh, definitely looking forward to this. It's going to be the uh, the new story of the year, the, the, the event of the year. And uh, we're just going to tell our listeners now that, you know, Carpe Consensus, this podcast is going to be the home for uh, audio podcast trial coverage uh, as, as we go through the proceedings there. So uh, stay tuned to this space and uh, hopefully we'll talk to Nick and our other colleagues about this trial going forward. And we're looking forward to seeing what happens. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. All right, Nick, we're at the courthouse right now. Uh, this is the Daniel Patrick Moynihan United States Courthouse. The time is 7.25 a.m. It is October 3rd. We are here for day one of the SBF trial, the biggest thing that's ever happened in crypto, I think I'll say. Actually, I don't know. What's your take on that? I think it's the biggest trial in crypto, for sure. I think it's going to be very precedential in certain respects. Tell us more about why this could be so such a precedent-setting event for crypto. Right. So... At the heart of it, the case is, I think, fairly straightforward, right? Sam Bankman-Fried is accused of fraud. He's accused of conspiracy to commit fraud. He's accused of conspiracy to commit money laundering. These are very basic crimes. They're not crypto-specific, but he is accused of these crimes in connection with the operation and collapse of FTX. And I think one thing we haven't really talked about at all in the lead-up to this trial, but that is very important to pay attention to, is the fact that there are outstanding SEC and CFTC cases against FTX and its former executives. And I think the outcome of this case will heavily influence how those cases also resolve. And looking way, way, way ahead right now, you know, the criminal fraud stuff, that is what it is. You know, I don't think we're gonna see too much new ground broken there. But I think the outcome might have an impact on, again, the civil cases. Mm -hmm. And of course, this isn't going to be the only time that Sam faces a criminal trial, right? Correct. This is, at best, number one of two. There is a second trial on a handful of different charges scheduled to kick off tentatively in the spring of 2024. Those are, that trial is dependent on a couple different issues, including Bahamas Extradition Treaty. And so, you know, I don't want to get too ahead and try and speculate on how that trial will work out. Uh, I think let's see how this trial ends first, and then we will 
see what happens next. And we'll end this mini recording with a vibe check. What are the vibes right now? Who's here at the courthouse? Uh, there look to be, I think, 30 or 40 reporters out here already from various outlets. I'm not sure if there's a lot of non-reporters here yet. I know there are probably will be at some point. Right now, at least, it's pretty clear that it's just reporters that are paying attention to at least at 7.30 in the morning. And this is a pretty busy time to be at this legal square. I don't know what it's actually called. But uh, right around the corner from us, we have part two of the clown show. Uh, one of many Trump trials is happening today. Uh, and I think the man himself is going to show up. That is Greg. Former U.S. President Donald Trump is expected to show up for a second day. Luckily, not at the federal courthouse. He is showing up at the state courthouse, which I believe is at 40 Foley Square. This is going to be, again, day two. There were a number of reporters, far more than at the Bankman Free trial, outside the courthouse waiting for the former president to show up. So I think this is a slightly better press pool to be part of. Yes. Great. So we'll be checking in all throughout the day, throughout these next six weeks from the SBF trial. The day is Wednesday, October 4th. It is day two of Sam Bankman-Fried's federal trial in New York City. Today, we're expecting to hear probably opening arguments from the prosecutors and the defense just to get a roadmap of what we're going to hear throughout this six weeks trial. I am here with Sam Kessler, Coindesk's self-described technology reporter. Sam, what are you looking forward to today at the courthouse? Thanks, Danny. Um, well, like you said, today we're going to hear opening statements. And I think even though in the lead up to this trial, we've heard a ton about both what the prosecutors are going to argue Sam Bankman-Fried did at FTX and Alameda. And we've also heard a lot about what he might say in defense of himself. I, I think we are going to, for the first time, Honestly, particularly on the defense front, get an actual sense of how he is going to, you know, bat back some of these pretty serious, serious charges. For example, you know, will his um, defense center around his character, center around, you know, any mental health um, factors? Will it center around the idea that, you know, all of this was just a big misunderstanding, a mistake? Will it center around any of the witnesses that we're set to hear? Um, will, you know, he not only implicate, but blame them entirely for everything that went down. I think today, for the first time, we're really actually going to get an overview of, you know, the defense is going to argue, and I'm, I'm particularly excited to start hearing that. And of course, all this will ultimately hinge on the jury, the jury that has not yet been fully selected yesterday. The judge overseeing this case failed to seat a full jury, so we're going to start back up at it today, this morning. Uh, I think we went through maybe 90 jurors, potential jurors, and just heard a really interesting cross-section of random people, quite a lot of people who are involved in some way or another in the financial industry, yeah. uh, a lot of special education teachers, and no one who made money on crypto. Yeah, a lot of people who lost money on crypto, and even some people who worked and overlapping, um, I guess, career paths to Alameda and FTX, which was pretty fascinating. There was that one woman who worked for Signature Bank, famously one of the banks that Alameda and FTX banked with, um, imploded. She was in the potential jury pool. And then there was another woman who worked for a investment firm with investments directly in FTX and Alameda, according to her. And when the judge asked, she said, unsurprisingly, that she lost, did not make money, or rather her company did. So it'll be interesting to see if any of those people serve on the jury, though. I don't think that's so uh, likely. You know, if Danny. I was the, the the defense or the prosecutors, I wouldn't want anyone to be overly tainted with knowledge of this case. 
you want to be able to start fresh and make a, a full unadulterated argument. You don't want people who lost money on Doge. You certainly don't want people who lost money in FTX. So today we're going to try to finally seat the remaining 12 to 18 people that will decide Sam's fate. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, the latest from the courthouse. This has been Danny Nelson. I've been here with Sam Kessler. We'll be back with more content later on. Okay, we're going to wrap up the show now. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week with more coverage of the SBF trial, analyzing everything that's going on with this very important event uh, in crypto history. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Carpe Consensus is a Coindesk production. Executive produced by Jared Schwartz and produced and edited by Eleanor Paul. Have any questions or comments? Email us at podcasts at coindesk.com. Subject line, Carpe Consensus. Thanks for listening and see you next week.